Welcome into the Fantasy Football Playmakers Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Popelar, so you can find on Twitter at PopesFFH. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Ryan, who you can find on Twitter at Mackie underscore FFB. How's it going, Ryan? Not too bad, man. I'm uh, really excited to get talking about these uh, late ADP darlings we got going on tonight. But uh, how are you, man? I feel like we haven't talked at all really this week outside of just a couple things about the pod. How you been? You know, I'm doing, you know, I'm pretty busy right now. You know, football's ramping up. The preseason's getting ready. It seems yeah, like sure. every time I turn around, there's more and more I have to plan for this wedding. So, you know, that doesn't help. You know, I don't know who decided to do an October wedding as a football fan, but, you know, I did. So, yeah, that's a terrible, that's a terrible <laughs> Um, But other than that, just, you know, work and, fantasy football so just trying to make a living right make it all work yeah you know it's definitely going to be interesting this year first year really kind of diving in as like a quote-unquote analyst and so right. should be fun i'm excited i never really thought about that like when i when i initially got into this space like when i talked to alex about it like i didn't really think about how much different it would be this season being a stat researcher and things like that for an actual fantasy site, as opposed to just being like a fantasy player that loved to play fantasy, you know Like it's just, and now we're doing the pod. Like I especially didn't expect to do a pod this early on. So I don't know. It's just, it's kind of, this, this season is going to be a lot more different than any season I've ever had before, especially because I'm in a lot more leagues than I usually am too. I think I'm in, Usually I'm only in like three or four, and this year I'm in like 12 as of right now. So that's it. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in, I mean, I'm in a lot of, I'm in a no, lot of basketball I, leagues. I'm in a lot of basketball I, leagues. I'm not in a lot I of envy leagues. you for that. Trust me. I can't say no, and it's becoming a problem. <laughs> it really is. But besides that, um, Ryan, why don't you hit him with the promo so we can dive right into kind of what we got for this episode? As always, today's episode is brought to you by King Fantasy Sports. Go check out the King Sports Draft Kit and get the advantage over the rest of your leagues this season. Be sure you're doing the right preparation and start your season off right. You get everything from rankings, breakouts, and values to busts and sleepers. Does your league have some funky settings? Learn how to make your own projections as well. Stop sitting on the sidelines and buy this draft kit today. You got it is only $8.99, and if you use our promo code PLAYMAKERS, you'll save an additional 10% off and get everything you'll need to not just compete but dominate your leagues this draft season well done well said i agree (laughs) but let's just kind of dive right in here to the breaking news this week and for me it's not much other than it's week two technically but week one of the actual preseason um the hall of fame game counts but you know not really so, <laughs> I just have a couple questions for you, Ryan. What game are you looking forward to most this weekend? And I so, think I know the answer, but <laughs> so my bias opinion, obviously, is the Bills Lions game. I'm excited to have Bills football back. Uh, just As don't always. care if preseason. Don't care if I don't even care if none of our starters play. I'm just excited to have Bills football back. Would you play Josh? I feel like the same. I feel like they got to start Trubisky, right? Maybe let Josh play like a couple series in I, week three. I would let Josh play a series this this preseason, like 
last preseason game, make sure your rust is knocked off a little bit. Or maybe if he has like a rough first drive, maybe let him play a second series. And even if he's rusty, then just still take him out. Like I'm not, ta- I don't want to take any chances with. It's definitely our- interesting though, because you're playing Pittsburgh week one and that's not an easy defensive matchup. So it's kind of no. like, you don't want him to be rusty going into it, but I'm also kind of like, huh. <laughs> You well, know? that's the thing. Do you take the risk of him getting hurt in the final preseason game and having to start Mitch Trubisky against Pittsburgh in week one? Yeah, what's wrong with Mitch, baby? He was a first-round pick. Higher than Josh. It's got to be better, right? Yeah, I said it. For, I That was a joke. Not, okay, relax. I was not yeah. watching and see my face. Jeremy knows exactly <laughs> what he just did, and it's wrong. It's wrong to do that. It's wrong to even say that. But I will, I will say that if there's – if there's a positive note to that, Mitch Trubisky's skill set is a poor, poor, poor man's Josh Allen skill set. So the offense shouldn't change too much if that were to happen, but it'll change dramatically at the same time. Like the way they play shouldn't change, but the way defenses play us will dramatically change if they if that were to happen. But oh, for sure. Um, other than that, other than the Bills Lions game, for fantasy purposes and just as a football fan, I want to see. The Bengals and Bucks preseason game. I think I'm gonna tune into that one if I'm able to. And that was mine. Oh my bad. No, scratch that. I don't want to watch that game. I don't. No, nah, it's good. You probably want to watch it the same reason I do. I want to see that offensive line against the uh, defensive line there in Tampa. I mean, I know you're not gonna get like full blown starters, but I want to see. You know, you you passed on a solid stud lineman for Jamar Chase. I want to see how much better you think your line is against arguably one of the best front fours sash front sevens in the league. So I think that should be fun to watch. Oh yeah. And I, I want to see if I haven't heard reports of Burrow playing or not playing. I don't know if you have seen anything mm-hmm. like that yet, but if he's going to play, I'd like to see how that starting wide receiving core lines up with Burrow and how they look on the first couple drives to see. I know we got the news that Chase isn't really separating well, and he's not really catching 50, 50 balls. Uh, no, is that surprising? He was never really a huge separation guy. I'm not totally surprised by that. Yeah, the separation thing isn't a huge deal, but like I feel like the 50-50 thing was kind of like his calling card at LSU, I guess. Like they Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what he made his name for. And I saw a lot of people were like a lot of people on Twitter were talking about how that's exactly why he set out this past year because he didn't have Jefferson and he didn't have Burrow to make him look a lot better. So his draft stock didn't plummet having a bad year. I'm not entirely sure I buy that. But it's a fair argument to say that maybe that is the case now if he's not really performing that well against NFL DBs. But at the same time, NFL defensive backs are a whole different animal than anything that he faced at LSU. So I'm not all too worried about it. I just want to see him play a live action, full speed game in pads yeah. and just see what it looks like. I agree. It's always fun to see kind of the rookies break into there. They're to lead us into the next question, possibly one of the players you already mentioned, but who's a, a specific player you're excited to see either you can watch, catch in and tune into that game and, or at least kind of see the highlights from the game or go back and watch a rewind and kind of see like, is this player just someone that you want to see play this, this week? So I kind of have two for this question and they're playing the same game. I want to see, Ooh. I want to see, what Michael Carter and Kadarius Tony do with their new respective teams. They play each other week one uh, in the preseason. So I want to see, we talked about it last week. I want to see what that Jets backfield looks like. I want to see if Michael Carter comes out and takes that first snap for them. Uh, And I want to see if Kadarius gets involved with the offense at all for the first preseason game, which I'm assuming he will, because I'm pretty sure Galladay went down with an injury last week, right? 
Yeah, he had he tweaked that hamstring, so I I don't know what his I think he's questionable technically for the game, but I doubt he plays. Yeah, I I doubt he plays as well. So I'm curious to see how they get him implemented into that offense. See what they're gonna. I mean, I know nobody's gonna show all their all their cards in the very first preseason game, but uh, it'll be nice to see both of those two rookies at Darius Tony going where he went in the draft, and uh, Michael Carter potentially being the lead back in New York. I'm just I'm curious to see how that uh, shakes out for both of those guys. Yeah, I think that could be definitely fun to watch. And I think for me, it's all the rookies. You know, I'm not going to I'm going to pick one, but I'm just going to say I think it's always fun to see, you know, this early in the in the offseason, you can kind of see what some of these guys have, even whether or not they're going to be beneficial for me. I'm a, mostly a dynasty player. So for me, I'm not only looking at what they're going to be this year, but I'm seeing like, OK, can this guy play? Is he better than these guys that aren't going to make teams? Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think it's always fun to see that. But my big one's going to be Javante Williams. No surprise to anybody. But I want to see what he, how he looks and how he's used sort of there in Denver. I think he should see a decent amount of the touches. Um, I'm sure Gordon might not even play. And if he does, he probably only get a few touches just to kind of knock some rust off. So I, I'm expecting Javante to see a good couple series, maybe something similar to what Najee saw, maybe a little bit more. So – I just want to see what he looks like, see if he still looks like what he did at North Carolina. So if not better, hopefully better. But So surprise, surprise uh, question that we didn't have on here at all. Um, do you think he, do you think Javante performs better than Najee did? Uh, I mean, I could see it. I just think, I mean, Najee was just kind of like, a, they just kind of wanted to get his feet wet. I wasn't too, you know I mean? There wasn't much to oh, really... Yeah. And I'm sure there's not going to be much this week. You know, you're not going to really get a ton of information from this week. I think you'll just kind of see, okay, yeah, this guy looks like he definitely can compete against some NFL talent. So I just think for me, it's going to be tough because Najee didn't really show me anything that made me like super excited. Like, you know, like he rushed for a first down on his first carry, but I mean, the Mack truck could have drove through that hole and then he kind of got stacked up on a couple and then he made a decent screen. And I mean, he did well. I mean, it wasn't like he did anything bad, but it just wasn't like, oh, wow, look at Najee Harris, you know? So, right. So, so just, just real quick, another guy from that game, uh, from the Denver, Minnesota game. Uh, I'm going to keep an eye on Amir Smith Marset as well for that Minnesota game because with Justin Jefferson going down, he's probably going to see a decent amount of run. Uh, so I'm, he's been getting some hype during the preseason so far, especially the beginning of training camp here. So I'm curious to see how he does as well. Yeah, he's definitely someone, uh, a couple people that I know um, on Twitter that have been kind of on him ever since before the draft that he was kind of like a poor man's Devontae Smith. So I think Amir Smith-Marset could be kind of like a reincarnation of Stefan Diggs there. I'm a guy that went late that most people kind of passed on and might he's a really good route runner. So he definitely could possibly make a living in this league. So definitely a guy that I agree that some people should keep an eye on, just especially in dynasty leagues. You know, he's a good taxi stash. Um, and I know for most of my leagues, he wasn't drafted, so he might even still be on your waiver wire. So it might be a guy to add if you get the space in the taxi spot. Yeah. And maybe add him like today before the game, (laughs) (laughs) today or tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But let's, uh, pop into the injury corner here. Some very sad news, tough to my heart. Rashad Bateman goes down today. Um, He's been kind of battling what they called soreness, and then he goes down today and kind of has a real tough time getting off the field, um, was pretty hobbled. 
Originally, they said it wasn't too serious, but I think I've seen some stuff right before I hopped on saying that they're leading that it could be possible sports hernia. Um, that's not for sure. I know. I think I saw that they were just saying that it sounds like that or it could be a possibility. Uh, Ryan, are we worried? I mean, I know I am. <laughs> yeah, with it, with the prognosis getting worse as more reports come out. Yeah, it's a little, it's definitely a little concerning, especially for a rookie that needs those those valuable reps with his team and new quarterback. And I'm pretty sure Lamar was actually out with COVID again. Uh, for, he was up until I think today, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that is not what you want to hear from a rookie wide receiver is that he's not going to be able to be out there with a starting quarterback and be out there getting those value rush for them. So yeah, it is, it is a little concerning, especially with it being a groin injury. We know that soft tissue injuries like that can, uh, can linger on throughout the year if it's not taken care of completely. So uh, that is something. It's definitely something to monitor, especially because he has a he has a lot of expectations going into this year. I posted a, a uh, post on Twitter a couple of days ago. They got a lot of got a lot of responses from it, and Bateman was the guy that people are saying that they're looking most forward to to having a big year this year. So, yeah, it's definitely a little concerning for me. Yeah, I think it's just the pure volume that he should have there, being that. Marquise Brown is really the only one who kind of set himself apart. And then you got Sammy Watkins and some other more so just, just average guys that kind of aren't exciting. So Bateman, I think was definitely a big target for a lot of people this year. He kind of fell a little bit, but was still kind of looked at as like a good steal early in the second round of rookie drafts. So I hope it's nothing serious. Um, I think early on in the season, I'll probably avoid starting him if I can, just because if he doesn't get much work in the preseason, like you said, Ryan, I'm going to be afraid of the pure fact of the chemistry there. Uh, but he has looked good in the preseason. Uh, so hopefully it's nothing too serious. Uh, Justin Jefferson returned to practice, um, but he did get dinged up there. That was a pretty scary moment as an NFL fan. You were kind of holding your breath. Um, are you worried about Justin Jefferson? Or do you think it was kind of a stinger and that we're going to be good to go this season? I think if it, was, if it was anything more than a stinger, we would have heard about it by now. Like if the, the way he landed, I watched the video a couple of times and the way he, the way he landed, I thought immediately the way he rolled over and was holding his shoulder, I thought immediately he broke his collarbone and that wouldn't have been good, obviously, but yeah. uh, we definitely would have heard something about that by now. So no, I'm not all that concerned about it. He's obviously super talented. They're probably going to be cautious with him for the rest of the preseason. Make sure that in, that shoulder is fully healthy and ready to go. And I think he'll be good. Yeah, something that hit also close to home here. Today, Zach Moss went down with a hamstring injury. Um, not much is out on it. I'm kind of a little worried about this one. Um, I'm sure probably you are too, Ryan. Not necessarily as a Bills fan, but even as a Zach Moss fan in fantasy, like he missed time last year with a toe injury, and now early on in the preseason, he's going to have a hamstring injury. I think this was kind of one of his MOs coming out. He was kind of a little injury prone at Utah. So are we worried that Zach, your, Zach Moss isn't going to give us this full season again this year? Uh, honestly, are you really shocked if any running back doesn't give us a full season this year? I mean, just with how the 17 games running backs are really getting hurt. Yeah. I mean, it's true. It's definitely something that's concerning, you know? So I think you'll see some, but yeah, but, uh, do you, I know you said not a whole lot came out and I haven't, I actually didn't even get a notification for it. And as a Bills fan, I'm kind of upset that I didn't even get a notification for it, but, uh, he had, uh, off season, I can't remember if he had surgery on his ankle. I believe he had on his left ankle. Yeah, because that was what was bothering him last year. So, if it's that same hamstring, it could just be it could just be residual 
tightness from that injury possibly maybe he overworked it but uh other than that i mean i guess it's Devin Singletary obviously might get a slight uptick if he there's Zach Moss's injuries a little bit more serious but with the lack of information that's out i mean i can't really speak too too much on it at the moment yeah, the most I've seen is just that he exited practice. So yeah, that's it. That's I think smart. I agree. I mean, I just just curious, you know, if you think that it's going to be kind of a lingering thing. I'm kind of worried it is. So uh, DJ Chark, are we in or out on DJ Chark now that he's also injured? Um, most likely not going to play until week one. Uh, any concern there with Chark or not really? Uh, his is what a broken broken finger. Uh, I'm not even 100 percent sure. I just know he's week to week. <laughs> So I think I think it was a broken finger that I saw right before uh, right before we got on here that he had. Uh, so he did have surgery on it. It is a broken right finger or a broken finger on his right hand, had surgery to repair it. Uh, honestly, he he seems to be slipping down as it is because of Urban Meyer's comments about how he was not looking all that great and the weapons that they have added already. Coach it, speak. It's and yeah, it is coach speak, but and it could very well could be something like, "Hey, I just want to give him a little extra motivation to get get a little bit more out of him for this year." But he, Urban hates shark. He does. <laughs> he does. That's true. <laughs> so, it may be bias. Urban yeah, is biased. very well could be biased. <laughs> but I mean, they did say they were going to go. They're trying to get Kadarius Tony as opposed to Travis Etienne, if I remember correctly. Or was that? Yeah, that was that. That was them, right? I don't know. Sometimes but, Urban, I don't. I kind of think Urban Meyer doesn't know what he's doing. I think he's a little overset at this point. He's, he's just like, drafting guys. Just sees a sees a good name. He's like, yeah, he's got a lot of hype. I'll just draft him. Yeah. But, well, look at his ADP. Yeah. <laughs> I'm killing the ADP here. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, Chark's super talented, so I don't think that talent is the issue there. I, I think he's proven that he can be effective as a receiver, but. But just the things that we've heard out of camp and now the injury and things like that is going to hurt him even more in terms of his chemistry with uh, T-Law there. It's just kind of – I'm not out on him. I think he's too talented to be out on. But uh, it is a little concerning if you have him on your roster that he's just not really getting a whole lot of the buzz that we thought potentially he would be getting going into the season. Like around Super Bowl time, everybody was all over Chark as a – possibly a wide receiver, one type of receiver. And now he's just kind of fading into oblivion, the yeah. wide receiver mass. It's what it's, yeah. Honestly, it's what it seems like. Cause he just seems like he's getting lumped into that group of like 30 wide receivers. that can finish anywhere from wide receiver 16, to 47, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel you. All right. To another guy that I'm personally concerned with. I have a couple shares of him. Darren Waller hasn't practiced in eight days. Uh, also another person that there's not much on, um, are we concerned? Is this anything? I mean, it's gotta be something he hasn't played or practiced in eight days. I mean, there's gotta be something there. Um, but should we be worried? Do we, I don't know. You know what I mean? I just don't know where to go with this question. It's just kind of like, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. Cause, uh, just, I'm actually looking at it right now. He hasn't been, he hasn't been a practice since August 9th and, as far as I can tell, there hasn't been any reason given whatsoever. Like, yeah, you know, that's what I mean. It's just, it's just this blank mass of him just not yeah. showing up. And I mean, that's like a that's an elite elite option at the tight end position. I have Foster Moreau, PJ Kennedy over here in the chat 
going crazy, but uh, I do have Foster Moreau in the three leagues that I have Waller in just for the for any reason that Waller might be out because I feel like that offense does like to target the tight end spot, but it's also Darren Waller to tight end position. So that offense might change the offense pretty dramatically if he's not in there. Uh, if you don't follow me or if you do check my Brian Edwards thread, it's the offense, Ryan. It's the offense. Oh yeah. I bet Frost Moreau would be a pretty good pick. I mean, I'm, they might go slightly less targets than Darren Waller would get. Um, but oh, like yeah. PJ Kennedy says again, Gruden does love Foster. Um, I think that, if Darren Waller does miss time, Foster Moreau would be a must add in my opinion. Um, I think that he's still going to get fed a decent amount of targets. And I think he could be what we thought Anthony Frisker was going to be. If Waller goes down, do you know what I'm saying? Um, yep. So, and I agree too. I heard Edwards cause I love Brian Edwards and I will never let him die. What about, uh, <laughs> what about rugs? How do you feel about that? I didn't like rugs then. And I still don't like rugs. Don't like him. No, I just don't. I just, I don't know. I think he got overdrafted, but you know, oh wow, so, he does. Kennedy doesn't like rugs right. either. Uh, so crazy thing about Brian Edwards, I was looking for this show. I was going, looking at ADPs, obviously, and looking to see where people were going. He's getting Brian Edwards is currently getting, according to Sleepers' latest ADP, he's getting drafted after some after defenses in Dynasty. Oh yeah, That's people still hate him. Insane. Yeah, absolutely insane for a guy who could. I mean, the wide receiver one historically with the Raiders is basically finished like 30s as far as like finishing performances for wide receivers. But like he could be the lead wide receiver there. And I mean, he could squeak into the top 24 depending on how much he's used. But it's crazy. That's I I saw that and I was like, all right, well, he's my guy that I'm going to do. But then I didn't remember your thread about. Brian Edwards, you've already talked about him a lot, so I changed it to the guy I have. But also a good option. Just the fact that just the fact that he was on there that far down as a potential wide receiver one on his team is just crazy. For sure. Real quick, so we can dive into the good stuff. Hunter Long went down with an injury and Hunter Henry. Any concern here? Hunter Henry's week to week. Hunter Long is not released yet, um, but they do not think it's season ending, which is good. But any real um, fantasy impact here, other than maybe John New Smith if Hunter Henry misses time? Yeah, I tweeted out that I, t- I tweeted out John New Smith to the moon early this morning, right when I got the notification saying that he that Hunter Henry had gotten hurt. Uh, but in that in that offense, and I, I'm not right really sure about to the moon, but he is athletic and talented enough to be a very solid option at the tight end position. Uh, Hunter Henry's had his fair share of injuries, so I'm not really – I am a little concerned about him in particular. So if you have him on your roster, you might want to start peeking into maybe a replacement of some sort or just have a solid backup plan just in case this becomes something more serious or it lingers or he just continues to get injured like he has before. So the Hunter Long news – uh, I'm not, I can't really speak on that. Cause like you said, we don't really have a whole lot other than he got carted off. And if you're getting carted off, it's not really a good sign, but I feel like if it was something super serious, like a torn ACL or whatever the case may be, I didn't see the injury. I don't know. I didn't see a video or anything like that. So I can't yeah, me either. much on it, but uh, <laughs> if he's carted off the field, obviously there was something seriously wrong with him not being able to get off the field. So uh, I don't think he was really 
fantasy relevant yet anyways, except for in Dynasty as a stash. But uh, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I can't really speak on it right now. Fair enough. All right, let's jump into the meat and the potatoes here, folks. Injuries are terrible, and but we got to talk about them. So, <laughs> ADP darlings, late rounders, who could possibly help you win fantasy leagues this year? We're going to break it down. One quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver, and one tight end for you guys. Um, I'm going to lead us off with the quarterback, and I'm still in on Jared Goff. I know I'm probably going to get a lot of yucks, but... As of right now, where his ADP is at and for your options at quarterback, depending on if you're a super flex player or not, this really only pertains to you. So Jared Goff in Dynasty, he is quarterback 34 currently, um, according to DLF. And in redraft, he is quarterback 29, according to Fantasy Pros ADP. Um, for me, this is great. Um, I think this is a good value. I know he went to Detroit and I know everybody's like, oh, it was Sean McVay that made Jared Goff great which is probably true. Um, I don't think Jared Goff's going to finish a top 10 quarterback this season. However, he just finished last season as a quarterback 15. And he's definitely proven that he can create a viable system and that he can be himself fantasy relevant. Um, I think this offense is going to be pretty, uh, shoot, what am I trying to say here? Play action, heavy to the play action. And I think it's going to feed through DeAndre Swift and uh, Jamal Williams. And I think that you're going to see possibly a lot of mid-level throws that are easy for Jared Goff to make to players like Mon St. Brown, who's kind of came on in camp at playing out of the slot, TJ Hawkinson. Um, and then you have the guys on the outside to kind of stretch the field. Tyrell Williams can definitely stretch the field. Rashad Perryman's a speed guy. He can stretch the field. So, I feel like Jared Goff's definitely going to outperform his ADP um, as a super flex player. If you're really waiting for a late round quarterback, I think this is a guy you should definitely target based on the fact, like I said, these ADPs are crazy. I mean, it's a little better at the redraft at 29. Cause I feel like he's going to probably finish maybe squeaking into the QB two range, like a 20 to 24 range. Um, but I just feel like, this is going to be a guy that we're going to look back on and be like, wow, maybe we should have definitely kept him as at least a QB two for super flex at least next year. Right. So Jared Goff is very polarizing to me personally, because I don't feel like he's a great quarterback, but I feel like he is, he's good at what he's able to do. You know what I mean? Like he's not, yeah, he's efficient. Yeah, he's not like he's not a top end option at the position. Obviously, I don't think anybody's ever going to claim for him to be that. But I think that coaching staff has put guys in place that really complement what he does well, and mm-hmm. that he. I saw in like a quote that he he said that dump offs are his friend, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because a guy like DeAndre Swift, who's a, and, and Jamal Williams for that matter, they're both really good pass catchers, both really good out of after the catch and both can make people miss. So it's not really, I, I personally don't care how you get your yards and how you give me fantasy points. As long as you're getting me fantasy points, I don't care if you throw, if your average depth of target is three yards and it's dump off 95% of your targets. I don't care as long as you're scoring me fantasy points. So if he's able to get balls into Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown, when he's open and Jamal Williams and guys like that, like you had mentioned, and TJ Hawkinson, who's who's looked at as a breakout candidate. I don't see how people can say that TJ Hawkinson's an elite tight end option 
or breakout candidate if they don't have at least a little bit of faith in Jerry Goff being able to give him the ball. So he's like you said, he's not going to be he's not going to be a QB one, but in Superflex leagues, he's very serviceable as a as a QB two and could definitely he's definitely going to finish above his ADP in my opinion from where he's at right now. Yeah, I, that's where I'm at, and I just think that he's your best option back there. You know, I mean, you're picking between guys like Jameis Winston, who might not even start, Taysom Hill, who's in the, might not even start. You're looking at um, Tyrod Taylor's. You're looking at guys that who might not start <laughs> exactly. So for me, Jared Goff's guaranteed. There's nobody behind him. He is playing all 17 games unless he gets hurt. So in Dynasty, I'm probably a little bit less in on him, but in redraft, I mean, this is a great quarterback too to target if you want to wait until you're real late in your draft. So yeah, I agree. Ryan, you're up next. Hit us with the running back. So this this running back has no current dynasty ADP according to DLF. I think they go all the way down to like 192. And I think it's Ooh. running back 87 that they go all the way down to. And for me personally, I was when I said bit- late, I didn't mean you know <laughs> buried yeah, this i mean this is this is crazy <laughs> bro. and i'm kind of surprised by it to be honest with you but there are some concerns and i'll get into that but uh justin jackson running back for the los angeles chargers uh he's been he was on the covid list recently been activated and he's been lining up as the rb2 in training camp so far b reporters said he's taken advantage of all those reps and quote unquote shown out so far with the reps that he's gotten. Uh, apparently they've used him in multiple ways, including as a receiver. Granted, if Eckler stays healthy, obviously he's going to receive the majority of the running back targets, but the fact that they're willing to give him those snaps and willing to give him those targets is a is a good sign to me. Uh, the, the problem is that he needs to stay healthy. He needs, in order to be a real fantasy asset and be a contributor to your team, he's going to have to stay healthy. He's, he's averaged – five yards per carry for his career, but he's missed 19 games over the last three years. And when Eckler was out and Jackson was healthy last year, we talked about this on the AFC West podcast that we did. Uh, he's, he got 17 touches a game and new offensive coordinator, uh, Joe Lombardi came out and said that he thinks he's an all around player capable of being on the field at all times due to his ability to pass protectors and his receiving ability. Uh, but there's just one caveat I do want to throw out there. There's a chance that somebody like Larry Roundtree, who they drafted, or Josh Kelly ends up getting goal line work that could sap some of that value away from Justin Jackson. And obviously Eckler is going to be, everybody's saying Eckler's possibly an RB top five option at the running back position. And I agree to that extent, but uh, if Jackson can stay healthy and prove effective down around the goal line and plus get that extra added work that uh, Eckler doesn't get, because we, I've seen and I know for a fact that Eckler won't be used in that workhorse role. Like he hasn't been that type of back and the Chargers have never really had that type of back since LT and Melvin Gordon early on. So I think and Eckler has said that he's willing to split carries and do whatever's best for the team. So if they feel like he needs a breather, he'll he'll come out. And if Justin Jackson is the guy that goes in there, this is going to be one of the best offenses in the league this year. So you want you want as many parts of that offense as you possibly can that are going to provide value. And I think Justin Jackson being basically literally free because he's below running back 87 and ADP right now. I feel, I feel like that's just, I feel like it's just too easy of a, of a win. So are you worried at all about Roundtree or Kelly being those guys? 
Josh Kelly. Like, do you I think he's? Want... Do you think Josh Kelly's like dead because of he failed to take that opportunity last year? I mean, I know it's a new staff, but well, it's a new staff, and I I am on record saying that I can't can't fault rookies all that much because of last year and how weird the offseason was and how there was no in-person OTAs and it was all virtual. So he only averaged 3.7 yards per carry last season. Not great, but he also scored the first touchdown of the season for them last year on the ground. So I'm not, I don't want to say he's completely dead, but just going based off of what we know, I just feel like Justin Jackson is a better player and I feel like they're just going to get him more involved as opposed to, uh, Josh Kelly, but Roundtree and Josh Kelly have like, the same running style, and they drafted Roundtree for a reason. So, and he got drafted by the new regime. So, uh, I feel like if I'm worried about anybody, it'd probably be Roundtree. But I feel like Justin Jackson's just a really talented back that could just provide value. Like I said, especially at his ADP because it's non-existent right now. No, I can totally get behind that, Ryan. I'm gonna. You're going to keep the mic here because we're going to go on to the wide receiver who you also took because you wanted to take the good positions and gave me the hard ones. Um, So, Brian, continue with the wide receiver. So this wide receiver is currently wide receiver 106 and 250 overall in DLF July ADP, and that is Donovan Peoples-Jones from the Cleveland Browns. 62212 ran a 44440 or 44840. He's got 86% speed score, 99% burst score, and he's a guy that showed flashes of big play potential last season. He when he was given the opportunity, it's a really small sample size, but turned 20 targets into 14 catches for 304 yards and two touchdowns. Anybody good at math, that's 20 just under 22 yards per catch. And according to player profiler, he averaged 2.82 fantasy points per target last season. Uh, Urban Meyer, which granted we both said that we're not really sure if he knows what he's talking about, but he said that <laughs> he believes that uh, DPJ should have gone in the top 10 of his draft class, but was so misused by Michigan that that was the reason for his fall and it wasn't his talent, which the Michigan thing is a really popular take now. Like that seems to be like a well, I mean, type of thing where they, they just can't develop players and get them to the NFL the way that they traditionally have before. Yeah, I mean, that that argument's coming out because Nico Collins is balling out right now in camp, and Donovan Peoples-Jones is balling out in camp. And the argument is, is how did these guys slip so far, and how did Harbaugh misuse them so badly that these guys come in and they're, like, dethroning NFL-proven talent? So it's a valid argument, and I'm in on it because I don't understand Michigan's offense, so. Anyways, continue. Yeah, I mean, like you said, rumors r- rumors out of camp are that he's looked extremely good all spring and summer. Uh, he's been given a lot of extra reps because they're obviously going to ease OBJ back. Uh, Jarvis Landry's been taking some veteran time off. Like he hasn't really been used all that much in the offseason because he's he's a veteran, knows the offense already, doesn't really need to have all that much work. Uh, the only issue here is that there is a, there is a chance that Rashad Higgins, who was – who performed really admirably last year with OBJ out is the wide receiver three on the team or possibly even Anthony Schwartz with his big playability, but he's also been out with due to a hamstring injury and has missed basically all the, most of the off season with a soft tissue injury. So uh, 
he hasn't really been getting, gotten a chance to get on the field and do anything, which like we said with Bateman, that's a huge, huge issue for rookie receivers, not being able to get on the field and get some chemistry and show what they can do. So uh, with, with DPJ's athletic profile and his, he's shown that he has the ability to put up big numbers when given the opportunity. I mean, he's, like I said, he's wide receiver 106 right now, and he could be the wide receiver two if something happens to Landry or OBJ or possibly even wide receiver two, regardless with Jarvis Landry getting a little bit older. Uh, he, I mean, that's a screaming value for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I might even change my guy to beat on people's Jones. Um, I didn't even think of him. I probably should have. It seems like I'm a terrible person because I just tweeted about him too earlier this week. Um, I like Donovan people's Jones. Um, I think that like you had said in camp, they're talking him up a lot. Um, so I'm all in on that. Um, the old, my only worry is that if you're a redraft player, um, I'm not sold on grabbing people's Jones. Um, if there's an injury that occurs that maybe makes him a little bit closer to relevant, I would say then spend your fab on it. Uh, just because I feel like the offense can't hold three viable wide receivers. You know what I mean? Like you're going to have Landry and you're going to have OBJ and then it's going to be Chubb hunt and Hooper and Bryant. Like there, I, I just don't know if there's enough volume for there to be three viable wide receivers. Um, but as a dynasty stash, I am all in on people's Jones because I believe if I, I believe OBJ and Landry might have their contracts up next year, isn't it? Oh, or they have outs. You can look it up when I talk about my player. Um, but yeah, I am totally in on that, Ryan. So to the last but not the least, in my opinion, unless Ryan already has a contract info. I have OBJs. He is not going anywhere, in my opinion, unless he's traded because he has a $15 million cap hit next season and 2023. He's an unrestricted free agent in 24. Mm. But they could yeah. move him. That's a pretty big cap hit. Yeah, that's that's going to be Depending tough. on how their numbers but work out there. His injuries have creeped up on him, so I'm a little iffy on him. And Jarvis Landry is the same way, actually. He's actually got a $16.5 million cap hit the following <laughs> next year. So Definitely, uh, as you can see, cut, though, based on cap. So. But I like the talent, so I can totally get behind you and what you're trying to say, I guess. But doesn't look great as far as that situation goes, contracts and players in front of them. So the tight end position, last but not least, I've kind of like started to like tight ends, you know, like really doing this. Like <laughs> I always like, I just love breaking down tight ends sometimes. And it's weird, I guess. I don't know. They're not really exciting and they're all kind of the same and they're all basically touchdown dependent after the first three. So that's what makes it fun. I think, you know, like you could pick 20 guys and they, any of them could be top 12 because you know, right. they get five touchdowns next year. So mine is Gerald Everett um, playing in sort of what you could argue the shadow of Tyler Higby or just the split with him and Tyler Higby in Los Angeles the last few years. However, this guy is pretty athletic. I uh, ran a four, six forty. He had a 128.6 burst score, which was in the 94th percentile. And he also had a college dominator rating of 31.7, which is up in the nineties as well, as far as percentiles go. So for me, the career numbers aren't great. Um, he's produced less than 1500 yards over his career. Um, but he does carry a 62.3% catch percentage, which is pretty, 
pretty good for a tight end. Um, but for me, the big numbers start to lick with Pete Carroll. Um, he's had three finishes, I believe, in the top 10. And he also has had over 100 targets to the position over the last 10 years each year. So that's 100 targets split between the positions. It wasn't always everybody. Um, when he had an athletic guy, hypothetically Jimmy Graham, um, he saw well over 100 targets every single season. Um, so this is where you draw this connection. If you've read my thread, this is kind of everything that's on it. But the connection, similarities. Jimmy Graham ran a 4.5640. Gerald Everett was 4.6. Very similar. Uh, speed score is a little different. Jimmy Graham's way ahead of him. But if you look at the burst score, Gerald Everett actually had a higher burst score. Um, his So basically, if you really look at the numbers, Gerald Everett's very similar to Jimmy Graham as far as the athletic profile breaks down. Um, I'm not saying that he's going to be Jimmy Graham, but I could see that I could see Gerald Everett pushing to have a larger role in this offense than we think. Um, Pete Carroll's also openly came out and said that he likes everything that Gerald Everett has been doing in camp and then OTAs. Um, I think that Gerald Everett can be used in different ways. Not only in the passing game, we saw him get used with the Rams in somewhat of an end arounds. Um, so for me, I just think that he's very versatile. I think that, like I had said, most of the guys after the first five could be anybody scoring five touchdowns could break into the top 10. And I think on this offense, it's going to should be hopefully pretty explosive with DK Metcalf, Lockett, Wilson, Chris Carson back and a team that's going to have to score points playing out of the AFC West. Um, also, I just think that I'm in on Gerald Everett because we're going to go to the most important part, which is the ADP. He is being drafted at, oh crap, I lost it. Tight end, I believe it was tight end 34 in Dynasty, and he is drafted at tight end, or no, it was tight end 22 in Dynasty, and he's tight end 21 in redraft. Um, and I think he's going to well outperform that. I think that he's a lock for at least a top 15, which isn't super viable, but I definitely think he's just up there with targets like Adam Troutman. If you're waiting on like the zero tight end, he's just there with like a guy like Blake Jarwin, Adam Troutman. He has just the same amount of, opportunity to be a top 10 tight end this season. So I think he could be sneaky. I think he's going way later um, than guys like that. For example, dynasty startup right now, you have say Irv Smith, another guy who's a breakout candidate. I think he could outperform him this year. 13 Cole Komet is tight end 14 Troutman's 15 Tyler Higby 16, who he's a running mate with. And then Gerald Everett's all the way down at 22. So Multiple rounds, too. I mean, your overall rounds, he's 168. Tyler Higby's 140. So you're talking, what is that, two rounds almost? Two, four rounds, yeah. Yeah, so I'm all in on Gerald Everett, especially if you're going zero tight end. I think he's a great target late in drafts. So I I agree with you on <clears> – <throat> I do agree with you on Everett. I mean, they're, they're tight ends. I just did a little bit of research on them just – Real quick, their their tight ends, like you said, 107 targets combined last season. Only Will Disley remains, and he's never saw more than 30 targets in a season. So Gerald Everett could be realistically could be third on the team and third on that team in targets, because obviously he's not going to be out Lockett or Metcalf for targets. No, uh, and no one should think that. But it's just you but, know, what I mean, like I've said, I mean they they had in those same years, I believe, when I was looking that they still had receivers with 100 targets on top of. Jimmy Graham. So I mean, Doug Baldwin was there when Jimmy Graham was there. So and yeah. he was a 
wide receiver, high end wide receiver two for fantasy for a handful of seasons. So I mean, it's still very viable. But the only the only issue I have with Everett is that I don't know if it's just because of their offense or what it is, but he he's never been like a red zone guy. And giving his size and athletic ability, you kind of figured that that would be more of his forte, I guess you could say. Like his highest finish for red zone targets was 11th or was 11 targets. He converted two of 11 targets for touchdowns. And back I think it was. So it very well could be the offense. And I'm not saying that yeah. he's not. That's my only, that's my only thing that I saw that I was like, uh, maybe, maybe. And that's definitely fair. Um, it's definitely a fair argument. I agree. Um, but I do think it's the offense. You know, when you were running with two tight ends, a lot of times, not only that, you have a monster in DK Metcalf over there. You have Chris Carson for some of it. You have Russell Wilson. I, there's a lot of options. Um, and it, it's definitely arguable um, that those guys could take the target, especially in the red zone over Gerald Everett, just because like DK Metcalf's a monster and they want to definitely involve the run more. So you could see a lack of the red zone targets, but I also just think that, Again, I think he could be Robert Tunyon this year. You could also see him get a lot of targets because teams are keying on DK Metcalf because they're expecting the same thing that we look at. Oh my God, this guy's a monster. And he might it might not matter because he's a monster, but I just see an opportunity to easily see close to 10 touchdowns. That's my personal opinion. Um, but also I can see the situation, like you said, Ryan, where he could have like three. So I feel like he's a huge boomer bust guy. But I just feel like at that late of an ADP, like in the low 20s, um, and especially in like a redraft league, he might be going in like your 15th, 16th round. So for me, that's just a late round flyer. Like I'd rather take that risk on Gerald Everett, especially if it's tight end premium, than say like a guy like a Donovan Peoples Jones in redraft. Do you know what I mean? Like that's kind of just where I'm at. So, oh, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's completely understandable. And just for just for laughs, and I looked it up. I was gonna say something else, but I don't want to. I don't want to swear on the. I don't want to swear on life. Uh, I looked up DK's red zone targets because I kind of figured like he would be like their guy in the red zone just because of his size. But him and Tyler Lockett were actually tied for twenty second with eighteen red zone targets apiece last year. So I actually wouldn't be surprised to see Everett get a little bit more or yeah, a little bit more than the 11 targets that he saw in his career high in 2018 that he had. So I, I mean, I can see, I can see him being definitely fantasy uh, viable and definitely outperforming his current ADP. Cause what'd you say it was like 34 or something like that? It's 20. I had 34 was golf. Oh, okay. So e- even still, even 20, I think he, I think he smashes that as well. So, like you yeah, said, that's a redraft ADP is 21. Yeah. I mean, you lump, you lump them into those guys that can score a handful of touchdowns and finish as a tight end one. So, I mean, he's, he's going to, I think he's going to, he's definitely going to outperform tight end 20 as long as he stays healthy in that offense. Yeah. I just feel like he's definitely got just as much of an opportunity as Irv Smith. You know I mean? It's a very similar offense style oh, yeah. kind of through the run has two good outside receivers and then you got the tight end. So I just think, I don't know. I just think you're getting him two rounds later, 10 tight ends later. Um, I'm taking that discount personally. 
Yeah, I mean, you can get, you can fill out your roster with more valuable wide receivers or running backs as opposed to taking a guy. You use Tyler Higby as your example, right? Yeah, well, Higby's a little later. I, I was saying Irv Smith. Personally. Oh, yeah, even Irv Smith for that matter. Like like you said, they're in the same style of offense, and everybody's super high on Irv Smith this year for because Kyle Rudolph left. And, I mean, it's not like Kyle Rudolph was a fantasy savant by any means, so it's not like he – lost anybody huge. He still has Justin, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen to compete with and Dalvin Cook and the rest of those guys. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you with that. Love it. That's going to wrap it up, folks. Um, I think it was a pretty pretty solid show this week. So, Ryan, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and if you have anything coming up. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Mackey underscore FFB. Uh, not really much going on right now, to be honest with you. I've just kind of been doing research and stuff like that, getting, just getting ready for the season. I, it's fast approaching. I, I honestly still can't believe that we're into the preseason already. Uh, getting ready to watch preseason games on Thursday. Uh, so I've just been, I've just been focusing on, focusing on that. I've had a couple of drafts. I got a couple more drafts coming up here in the next couple of weeks or so that I got to stay focused on. So uh, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot going on right now, but you can always hit me up on, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, I'm always posting and, posing questions and polls and things like that. So just feel free to interact whenever you get a chance. Love it. I'm going to be looking forward to it. You know, your one article was a, was a smashing hit, I think. So hopefully you have a little bit more out there, but yeah, for sure. Uh, the podcast, I think we're going to have a little special something coming up for the season here. It's not going to necessarily be a podcast, but we're going to go live with you guys on a certain day. We'll, let you know a little bit later once we work the details out. However, um, you guys can find me on Twitter at Pope's FFH. Like Ryan said, feel free to reach out at any time. And any of my writing will be at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network as well as Yards Per Fantasy. Um, check out any articles. I'll obviously post them on Twitter as well for links and stuff. So keep an eye out. And until next week, everybody stay healthy and take care.